Welcome back, boys. Today is a big episode, episode 33. I'm Chris Martelli here with Giancarlo Alino, Anthony Pinello, and special guest Nicholas Martelli in the booth today. Um, today's going to be a jam-packed day. We got raps, we got blues, we got NHL, and we got hoop. So to start, we're going to talk about the biggest thing to happen to Toronto since 1993, the Toronto Raptors win their first NBA title. Now, guys, what does this mean to this city? This is everything to this city. This country, uh, basketball came in here. Vancouver and Toronto had the team, and we all saw what happened with Vancouver. Uh, they ended up folding, going to Memphis, and now Toronto since then. We've had heartbreak after heartbreak. Jamario Moon, Andrea Bargnani. But all good came out of that because Andrea Bargnani, that trade, got us Jakob Pertl, who then got us Kawhi Leonard. And then Kawhi Leonard wins us a finals MVP. This is huge. Hope he stays because the claw, as we saw in that parade, or you guys were got a best seat for that or standing. Ooh, uh, <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, he's a fun guy. And he's, uh, I think he's going to stay. Yeah. I mean, being there, being there at the parade yesterday was complete madness. Um, you really get to see how much it means to the people of this city, but also this country. I mean... They were, I think it was like almost four hours late to the stage because oh people just wouldn't get off the road so the parade can continue. And I mean, I don't blame people, but at the same time, they should have done a little bit of a better job planning that because people were all over the place. People were on street signs, street lights, on roofs of buildings trying to see. And I mean, it was, it was amazing. And, you know, Toronto showed out. And if Kawhi Leonard really doesn't feel like he wants to stay, I mean, he could do whatever he wants as a free agent. But, man, if, if that's something I can get used to if I was him. You know, you come here, you play a year, you win a championship, you get an MVP. And if he stays, the team has the potential to repeat. So I don't know why you would want to go anywhere else. Like, it's crazy. It's It was freaking crazy yesterday. I'm just hoping now that Toronto can finally be a hotspot for players. Because it seemed like for the last, what, 24, 25 years, it's just, oh, okay, we're going to the Raptors, and we'll play here a couple years, and, oh, maybe we'll, we'll finally move on and join this super team. And yeah. it's just, you know, maybe Kawhi can reel guys in, and this is the start of something beautiful, hopefully. It's kind of funny. I'm looking at this team in the long run, and, like, like realistically, you look at guys like Siakam. We drafted him 27th overall. Like, that was a player that we never thought would be this good. Jakob Pertl, we got like 20 picks before Siakam at nine. And you already see the impact he has. Obviously not as much of an impact as Pascal Siakam. But man, like I was looking at this team maybe three, four years ago. And we were like not, we were making the playoffs. Like we faced Brooklyn that year, but we were not remotely close to winning. Like I looked at that team. We had Lowry, we had DeRozan. And that was like it. We did not have anyone else. Even like I can't even really say JV was a big part. He was very raw, very raw talent. But when the chips were there, like it just it didn't really work out. So um, that was basically it. But like I'm looking at this Raps team and a lot of people are saying that they overachieved in a big way. I'm not going to say they overachieved. I'm just going to say that they came together as a collective unit. The chemistry was there all year. Hell, man, a jury had to completely switched this team at the trade deadline he looked at the assets he had delon Wright, cj miles not gonna lie 
not the best asset, but Messiah Jury, we've seen in trades in the past. Grievous Vasquez for two picks. Are you kidding me? That turned out to Norman Powell. So the, the stuff that Messiah Jury has done as a president and as a manager and you know whatever have you, he's just done an absolute outstanding job. The fact that Fred Van Fleet went undrafted and comes in here and ever since he had that kid, I'm not going to say it's the kid's it's because of the kid that he's done this well. It's because of him, obviously. He's a professional athlete. But, man, down the stretch, I think he outplayed Lowry, at least in the finals at times. Like, I would look at Van Fleet, and I'm like, I don't know who the starting point guard is anymore. It's between Van Fleet, Lowry, but they've been splitting 35, 35 minutes. But, guys, game six, wow, Kyle Lowry Ed Fran Van Fleet just came out, and they were just draining threes, coming out hot. What were your thoughts on Kyle Lowry's game six performance? I thought, like, where the hell was this the last five years? Comes in, 11 points right off the bat. They took advantage of Steph Curry's weakness defending because, as we've seen, like, he can shoot, but defensively, he doesn't have the mobility anymore like they used to have in his first year. All those injuries piled up, so now they just blew right by him. Van Vliet got the three, and then as soon as Steph and Clay would get hot, the Raptors would answer right away with, like, Kawhi making a great pass and then Van Vliet draining it. But Kyle Lowry was really good in that game six, right when you needed him most. It's a, it's a great problem to have, yeah. the two solid point guards. Everyone's saying, who's going to take the load this night or what's going to happen? Lowry dominated the first half, and Van Vliet came in second half of the game, made some clutch shots, so it was just just the perfect showing from them. It's a dream scenario for any coach or even Raptors fans because, you know, it gives you a preview as to see, you know, Kyle Lowry's career. I mean, for all we know, at the workload that he likes to play at and how hard he plays, I'm not saying he has a short period of time left, but, you know, he's he doesn't have as long as he once did. And seeing what Fred Van Fleet can bring to the table in a limited minutes time but also in a clutch moment, you know, if those two didn't go off in Game Six, we'd be we would have gone to Game Seven, like without a doubt. Kyle doesn't come out and get those quick 15 points, and then Fred kind of helps carry the load at the end because he cooled off. We would have gone to Game Seven, and at that point, you know, you would have liked to have think the Raptors would win, considering the injuries of Golden State. But at the end of the day, Game Seven is a Game Seven, and you know, it was good that we won that game, but it, it gives you hope and it gets you excited for the future. But the only thing is that the Raptors are going to have to consider coming forward is what do we do with Fred Van Fleet? Because if he's going to be considered a starting point guard throughout the league, you're going to have to pay him point guard money, right? So, and that puts us in a bit of a bind moving forward. Not next, maybe not this year, maybe the year after, depending on what happens. Well, you're looking here at a team that we've been in, we've had these talks before Mm -hmm. about contracts and all this stuff. Like DeLon Wright last year, basically the same thing. Can we afford all these point guards? I think Fred Van Fleet knows that he's done it all here now. He came in, he just had that killer mentality, was making circus shots for crying out loud. There were some shots he was putting up. I'm like, this is not going in. This is a stupid shot selection. And it would just go in and it's like, holy shit. Like this guy's very stuff like. Yeah, like there were times where he would just put it up like over like a Draymond or over a Cousins. And I'm like, like why are you shooting that? And it went in and I'm like, okay. He took some moon shots. Like that ball went up and it went up. It came down as well. You look at you look at the game five or game four elbow that Livingston gave him. I think that just gives him a little bit more motivation, a little bit more anger, and he just brought it out in the perfect way. But you know, we've been talking about this for all, all series, basically all playoffs, talking about fouling out quite a bit, getting into foul trouble. 
Kyle Lowry, game six, got into foul trouble. Game six, Marcus Gasol got into foul trouble. How important have guys like Fred Van Fleet and Serge Ibaka been in this postseason? Yeah, it gives you options because now Pascal Siakam's there. And then Ibaka now can come off the bench and be a huge offensive presence. Then you have Van Vliet going into like more of a shooting guard. When Lowry comes out, you also have um, OG Ananobi going forward. Not in the playoffs, but going forward, that's another draft steal the Raptors got. He was projected to go in the top 10. Injuries brought him down like 17. So I like their team going next year. And then in these playoffs, you did have the bench from the trade deadline. Linsanity. Mm-hmm. Whenever you need like one minute off the bench... He's there. So it was a good problem that they uh, dealt with. And Marcus Saul and Abaka just down low, I thought, did a really good job, especially against DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, yeah, it was probably, for me, one of the most important things in the series. Because you look at the starting lineups, and there's obviously a, a mismatch on paper with, you know, Clay and uh, Steph and Draymond. And the bench has to chip in, and they absolutely did that. Yeah, that, that, was, that was definitely the... Uh the trend all playoffs when you look at their whole journey to winning the championship getting there was tough because you know getting Marcus all I think at that moment in the deadline it solidified us as like a real contender and when I was like we just got Marcus all oh my god what he brings to the table and the experience it's of- funny you say that when when we traded for Marcus all I remember the first initial reaction I had was oh we got we have to give up that much for him because yeah, he's because he's 34 it. years old and Age nowadays in the NBA is a big deal. No, not everyone's LeBron James. So it's a big deal, you know? So when I first saw that, I'm like, oh, we're giving up JVs, 20, 26. Like, eh. We we wouldn't have won with JV. We would not have won with JV. And one thing to talk about the foul trouble issues is that, you know, us being Raptor fans, and we see it every single year, not even in the playoffs, but the regular season, we always get bad calls. The refs never really keep their whistles in their pockets at times. Whenever it comes to the Raptors playing a big, a big ticketed team like the Warriors or even Philly, like the whistles are out for little, little things. And the way that the bench was able to handle the foul trouble was phenomenal. If we had a younger bench, we, I don't think we would have been able to do it with the experience we had. We were able to get through it, and it made us a better team for it. Like this Raptors team broke the mold of having to have a big three or a big two to win you a championship. This was literally a team effort to win a championship. And it hasn't been like that in basketball for, I mean, maybe since the Spurs won it yeah. with Kawhi last time. Yeah. And that was like a real team. They but that was still Spurs. potentially a big three. You had Timmy D, you had Parker, yeah. you had Ginobili, you had Leonard. Yeah. <laughs> they were, so they like were old, They were old, though. Those they did, guys, they did. Old, so it was more of a team effort than, you know, what Miami did or even what Kevin Durant did. If anything, you know what? I would compare this Raps team, if you want to talk about like this era, I'd say the Mavs 2011. That's the closest I think I would compare them because they didn't – Jason Terry and Dirk Nowitzki beating the Miami Heat was just something I never thought would happen, and it happened. So if you think about it, LeBron should technically have like six rings right now, but he has three. Well, well, yesterday I think – who was it? Um, I saw on Twitter. It might have been Woj – or, um, that guy's maybe, the best. Or maybe even um, uh, it might have been Shannon Sharp. Um, that guy's also he, the best. He said um, <laughs> he said that this team was very comparable to the uh, the Pistons team. That yeah, one the with, 05 one with, yeah, the, with both Wallace, Ben Wallace, uh, Livingston, not Livingston, Rich Hamilton and uh, Prince. Richard Hamilton was like that. The way that team played ball, the way our team played ball, was very complete, very team oriented, and I mean 
it, it was like fucking dream scenario the way they were able to handle everybody they were underdogs for most of their matchups and they just got their shit done now i got three more questions before we move on the first question now that the raps finally won Kawhi is still technically here right now what does this mean for the golden state warriors dynasty with kd going down a year and now clay being out 10 months can steph because Steph and Draymond, they don't f- seem phased. Can you see them carrying Golden State to a f- potential finals without those two? Yeah, I think they will. Not the finals, uh, but if they do re-sign Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson's for sure going to come back. But if they can re-sign Kevin Durant and then next April he comes back, plays like two games at the end of the year and you have him for the playoff run, I think they can make it to the finals. But their playoff seed going into that is going to be tough because it's going to be Steph and Draymond carrying the load. Iguodala is a little bit older. Like, I don't think he's going to have that same uh, play. Up. Yeah, like he's banged up. And I think maybe a sixth or seventh seed is realistic for them next year. But if they get in the playoffs and they match up with like Denver or Portland in the first round, I think they smoke them with KD coming back. Are they both out the uh... Nine long, to ten yeah. long it's, term. It's, it's going to be like what happened to Big uh, Biggie, Demarcus Cousins when he got here. He was out for a long time, and then he came back. I don't. Porzingis know. too. It's like yeah. uh, Porzingis towards ACL hasn't played since like last February. Yeah. They just rested him all year. Um, I would kind of I would compare Clay's injury to Porzingis, but man, KD's injury is very serious. That's a, like a ruptured Achilles is. That's almost career-ending. So um, I would, I would assume if I'm the Golden State Warriors and he opts in his contract, I would literally have him sit the whole year until the playoffs if they make it. Clay, I could see him playing maybe by March. So like it depends. Like if Steph and Draymond get injured during the year, I think they're in emergency mode. Like I don't know what they're gonna do, but but like let's say one of them gets hurt and the trade deadline rolls around, I think they're gonna. They're going to be in, in panic mode there. Well, well the, the, the big thing with them is whatever happens with KD and Clay, because although KD's out for a year, that's not going to stop anybody from signing him to a max deal, whether no. it's the Knicks, Brooklyn, or whoever, for that matter. But the thing is, it's like, depending on what happens with those two, are they going to contend for a title again next year? I don't think so. I think the thing for them is that they're going to have to battle to get into the playoffs, considering how strong the West is. And if they can squeak in, then it's a different story. But the thing is, it's that it's there's free agency. So if KD decides to, I'm not going to stay considering what happened all the medical stuff. They said I was cleared to play. I got another opinion. They said I was good. And then I ruptured my Achilles. I don't know if I want to go back. Kind of like what happened with Kawhi Leonard. Um, Thompson's just a warrior. It was just one of those things. Yeah, he's, he's that, a player, yeah. Like, you know, their dynasty, I don't want to say it's over, but... It's one of those scenarios where dynasties break down over time, not because guys want to leave to make more money. In this case, it's that guys are beaten up, guys are destroyed, and they're just breaking down. We've seen it with with the Blackhawks in hockey, and we saw it with the Kings in hockey. Just too many games over a short period of time, and then the teams just fall apart. And I think that's what kind of happened. They got rid of their bench, which cost them huge this playoffs, right? And, like, we got Patrick McCaw. Guy plays three years in the NBA. He has three ranks. It's crazy, you know. So it goes to show you the difference of them missing their bench, and what that says for their dynasty moving forward. Now, next question: Does Kawhi Leonard stay? 
I want to say yes, but I don't know. <laughs> well, today I got an update saying that he doesn't want to go to the Lakers. So it's between the Clippers, which is his hometown, or it's Toronto, his new hometown. So I don't know. Uncle Dennis was joining in the crowd yesterday yeah, yeah. with the five. That's a very that's a guy you have to convince on Kawhi's behalf. Yeah. So you bring New Balance in the meeting, bring Drake in the meeting, Canadian Tire, bring everyone. Whoever you Penthouse <laughs> projects, brokers, whoever. Make his signing here, uh, private schools for his daughter, was sleeping during the parade. So that's a real silent family, but just... <laughs> <laughs> like father like yeah. daughter so Kawhi Leonard though in this playoffs he showed everyone he's not about the super team life no. he wants to kill super teams he's collecting souls like the undertaker he's going in and just locked in like a terminator wants to kill them all and he did that he took everyone's competitive spirit he made Joel and B cry he made Giannis cry and then storm out the press conference and then Steph Curry cry and Steph Curry was just sad and all those people at Oracle, that was the last scene in that arena. Kawhi Leonard hitting a shot. The last scene. Just, <laughs> oh, man. Before they tear that arena down oh. and move over to San Francisco. And before Leo gets any more injured. Yeah. Almost having a light fall on him. <laughs> Poor guy. But um, with that being said, we got to move to hockey. Um, Eric Carlson. Actually, no. Hold on. Hold on. What am I saying? The St. Louis Blues. Oh, yes. The St. Louis Blues just beat the Boston Bruins in seven games in TD Garden, where before I left, I said to Dad, Jordan Bennington is going to get a 36-save shutout. And oh, so close. Jordan Bennington, to me, this is a story that you really haven't seen. I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, what do you mean? You saw a couple years ago with Matt Murray. Not on this level. Bennington came in in January and said, ah, you know, I'm a backup. I'll just come in. I'll play this game. Okay. Jake Allen, you already know my thoughts on him. He's been one of the most inconsistent goalies last couple years. Bennington's like, you know what? I'll play this game. Okay, I'll get a shutout. I'll play the next game. I'll get another shutout. I'll play the next game. Oh, I'll win. This guy went on a run that I don't remember. Maybe Hammond had a similar run, but who the hell is Andrew Hammond? That's what I'm trying to get at. Hamburglar. McDonald's gave him an endorsement for hamburgers. Jordan Jordan Bennington should actually change his name to Jordan Winnington. I like it. Because he he literally took this team from last place in January to win the Stanley Cup. I'm not saying it's all Jordan Bennington, but man, like you got to give this guy credit. This guy just worked his ass off. Not only is he from here, Richmond Hill, but he's also an RFA. So if I'm true, if I'm, I'm going to say Toronto, if I'm St. Louis, show me the money. What the show hell are you, like, what are you, what are you, what are you giving Jordan Bennington here? This is such a toss up. Like it was one year, but it was the best year possible. Yeah. <laughs> Not even a year, like a half year, half a year. I, if I'm the blues, I'm trying so hard to bridge him. That's what, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to, you I, have to. Goalies, they make so much to begin with. Like. Freddie, like Freddie at first, when we signed him, got <clears throat> five, five, five and a half. And at that point, he was still like unproven. He was still splitting the we were still with, with a Gibson. Yeah. yeah. Job, so well, when we saw that contract, we were worried at first. Yeah. Oh, for five years. Fuck. We'll see. Yeah. But Benny, like, oh, I think he's going to get around the same for the same term. But I could go higher. The, the thing about that kid is that he kind of came out, he kind of came out of nowhere. And that tends to happen in the playoffs of goalies. It happened with Niemi when the Hawks won that year. He filled in. 
and they won the cup. He won as a rookie. It also happened with Halak with the Habs. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing with with Bennington, I felt like he should have won the Vesna. Remember the Cavalier, the Conn Smythe. But Ryan O'Reilly had a phenomenal playoff, so he deserved ah, that too. Ah, there it is. But man, that that kid, if he can do it again, we, Chris and I were talking about this before we started today. You got to give that kid carry price money. If he can do it again, I give him carry price money. Cause, man, they they got they got the they got the system up front. Because if there's one thing that they did is, the Boston Bruins probably have the best playoff hockey system. As much as I hate to admit that. Well, it, it it helps that you have probably the best line in hockey. Second, second best line. But the way they play in the playoffs is just so physical and tiring that they did look out of gas in Game Seven. They looked so dead. They looked dead. But St. Louis had like a similar kind of team. If you think about it, they're just a little bit quicker, a little more skill, and they beat them at their own game. And I mean, Ruby's a scary looking dude. It's I'm looking at that like helps. yeah. This contract is like one of the this is like I feel like this situation right now with Bennington, it's going to go down as one of those what ifs. I feel like if I'm the blues management, you have to look at his age. I think he's twenty six. If you sign him a bridge deal, that might be the best you're getting out of him in that bridge deal. And then when he wants a long term deal at like thirty one, he may not be that good anymore. We've seen with goalies. Like I love Jonathan Quick. Um, he was one of the best goalies for, I'll say, a four-year period, but that is it. Um, no more than that. Uh, I feel like a lot of goalies, obviously you have the legends, like you have the Hasek, the Brodeur, the Belfort. Like, they were good their whole careers. But guys like Jonathan Quick, they weren't good for, like, nine years. They were amazing for, like, four, and then they were kind of there. Like, I'll even say the same thing for Carey Price, man. Like, I love Carey Price. He was great in the World Juniors. But it took him a little bit to get to that elite level. And when he got to that elite level, injuries started happening. So goalies, it's very hard to actually put a number on a contract in an actual term. Like, look at what the Islanders did with Rick DiPietro. Like, I know a lot of teams, they value goaltenders. Like, it's a dime. Like, it's something you'll never find. But I don't know, man. Jordan Bennington here. I look at a goalie like him. And it screams Matt Murray. But, like, at the end of the day, look at what Matt Murray's doing now. He's not that good. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Jordan Bennington, we could rave about the playoffs he had. But at the end of the day, next year, if he has a very, like, lackluster year and you sign him a bridge deal, I'd rather do that than go, oh, yeah, you won us the cup. I'll give you six years at $7 million. Go crazy. And then in two years, he'll be a mediocre goalie. So, Goalies, it's very, very hard to read. Um, so with that being said, I want to congratulate the Blues again, winning the Cup, taking it from the Bruins. Always the best feeling for me personally. And, of course, seeing Brad Marchand cry is also a bonus. But, man, oh, man, you got to give Alex Petrangelo that game, that goal, that moment. Alex Petrangelo, to me, one of the best D in the game. If not, he's so clutch. I think he deserves a lot more credit than what he gets on this team. But guys, who is your X factor for the St. Louis Blues? I gotta say, um, it'll be a predictable one. But Ryan O'Reilly, because they got him, they just recently got him. They he, fleeced Buffalo. By looking the way. back on it, holy <laughs> shit! And, like they put him in that role. He's their number one center, and he's you just know thrived. never looked he's back thrived. it's not just something you say on paper okay this is our like no this was our guy he led the way any way you can 
possibly look at. I, I'm so happy for him too because the teams that he was on in the past, oh, he was on garbage some, teams, some shit Colorado teams, and Buffalo's a fucking lost cause, and he comes to St. Louis, Dude, and they cool. win the cup right away. Yeah. Who's your yeah. X factor? Alino, Tyler Bolzak. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I think they had a lot. Like O'Reilly played really good. Um, Tarasenko came up. I thought he would oh. finally lived up to being that guy that can score big goals. Yeah. Jaden Schwartz, I thought, was a little disappointing in the finals, mm-hmm. but I'm going to have to mm-hmm. give it to Bennington. His first Bennington. year in the league and thrown into that. Like Matt Murray got thrown into that too, but he had a forward yeah, group of Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, and he had Latang in the back. So Bennington was thrown into a group that the morale's down in the beginning of the year, and he oh. has to really come in and play. So I'm going to give it to Jordan Bennington. And if the Calder Trophy is being awarded to extending into the playoffs, he has to win that over Pedersen just because he won a cup in his first year. I agree. I mean, my X factor for me, uh, oh, this is tough. Because, <laughs> I mean, Bennington, I think Gunnarsson for the amount of minutes he had oh to play. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I can't believe heard I that. heard that one. Guys, the minutes he played and yeah. what he was able to do for them throughout the whole playoffs. Bowl too. I'm happy for Bowmeister because he finally. Won. Oh yeah, that he was. Played, he played for some trash teams. After too. ten years, Florida. Of not the playoffs. Oh my god. Florida. Florida. Cowboys. Florida with Ole Jokinen. Florida. <laughs> Back in those days. Ole Jokinen. Yeah. He was a Leaf. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we had three, leaf, three X Leafs win the cup this year. I'm so happy for Tyler. Bo- like you don't understand how happy I am. Did you see what he tweeted? <laughs> and he won a cup. Did you see what he tweeted? He's like, why are you going to St. Louis? He's like, I'm going there to win a cup. Book it. And he won. And he won it. I like guy. it. I like, <laughs> oh my god. Even, even a guy like Alex Dean. I mean, he hasn't been a leaf for over a decade. He's an ugly know? fuck. But hey, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> he he was a guy that was never cut good enough to make it as a top liner for the Leafs, and, and look what he did. You know. That's Pat Quinn. Come on. He's 25. He's done. He's yeah. Nothing yeah. trade him for at least. He went down. first round. <laughs> oh my god. It's like, oh, Alex Dean. No, nah, no, nah, we know what. We'll go with Yuri Talusti over him. Get, we'll get rid of him. We'll ship him out. Nikolai Kuhlman over him. But, guys, I have one more question with this Blues team. Their defense is special. Who is that number one? Who is, like, the most underrated D on the team? I know you're a big fan of Vince Dunn. I'm a big fan of Colton Pareko. I think Pareko is that guy. I think the Leafs desperately need a guy like a Colton Pareko. Yeah. Weren't there rumors that we were going to get him yeah, for during the year? Yeah, even Petrangelo. Yeah, there was that rumor before the That's That yeah. would have been monstrous. Well, that would have been like a Nylander and yeah. a first that was and one something else. He, uh, signed the six year, yep. 6.9 mil. Well, I feel like that, that's just the least media, yep. though, just doing that. I don't, I don't know because I felt like St. Louis was at a point. They were last. They, they were, were, yeah. thinking they were like, dead last. They were thinking, okay, do we start making some trades? You know who? Fail? You know who? Wait, hold on, hold on. You know who was in first when the Blues were in last? Buffalo. The Buffalo Sabres. And then they pulled the trigger on that trade. They were all laughing. Phil Housley was like, we traded O'Reilly. We're in first. The Blues are in last. When February rolls around, they're making the playoffs. Phil Housley gets fired. Ryan O'Reilly wins the Smythe. It's a nice turnaround. I blame Michael. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Now I'm going to talk about Buffalo because there was a big signing a couple Jeff weeks ago. Skinner. Jeff Skinner. Is this a, is this a like I I I've seen bad contracts and I actually talked about a couple bad contracts 
in this podcast before. We talked about the Milan Lucic. We talked about the David Backus. Is this contract up there for bad contracts? Because to me, this guy is not worth more than $6 million. And he got $9 million. And he's a winger. Skinner, he's a... I'm going to try to be nice here. He's a nice player. He's been pretty good for the last seven, eight years since coming into the league. But if you tell me that he's worth $9 million for the next eight years, I'm telling you to go fuck yourself if that's what's being pitched to me. That's my honest. He's a good top six forward, but I'm not giving him that money. No way. How many years did he give him? Eight, eight years. Oh, eight, I thought it was. I thought it was like six. Eight years. Oh. Nine million. Okay. You know why they did this? I'm gonna. I'm gonna make a strong case for Buffalo. I'm not a Buffalo fan. I don't even know why I have their back here, but I'm convinced that they did this deal. Based because of this guy. He's a big fan of Jack Eichel right here. This oh. guy loves Jack Eichel. <laughs> Buffalo. It's all about Jack Eichel. I don't know if you haven't noticed. They've fired GMs. they fired coaches. I think they kept Jeff Skinner because Jack Eichel just went to them and said, I like what this guy brings. Just sign him, and I'll do I'll do the rest of the work. And they said, huh, it's Jack Eichel. All right, here, give him nine mil. It, it, it's kind of like when LeBron's like, we got to sign this guy. we got to trade for this guy. You're like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. More. We'll do it. But, but the thing i got to say about Jeff Skinner is like, he worked hard for the not not for this contract. No, but he worked hard to get paid. And I mean, with him being in Buffalo and Buffalo being as bad as they are, needing somebody to like to sign to show the league like we're going to spend money if we got to sign free agents or if we got to do this, we got to do that. And they kind of proved it because it's like we'll pay him nine million because we fucking need him. They don't have really anyone else. They're still pretty young. Like, well, here's here's my biggest takeaway from this signing. Jeff Skinner is getting nine million dollars. Nine million dollars. Jack Eichel's getting ten and a half. You're telling me Jeff Skinner is only worth? I mean, Eichel's only worth one and a half mil more than Jeff Skinner. Well, I don't think he's worth one and a half mil more. I think he's worth a lot more. But in Buffalo's eyes, in order to keep this thing kind of afloat, they got to pay. It's kind of like when the when the Leafs decided to pay someone a stupid amount of money just to keep everyone happy. You no, know, we'll get there. No, but like. It's the same kind of deal if you think about it. Because what are you going to pay? Mark? But you gotta, but you gotta look at it in the long run. You have to sign Rasmus Dahlin. Buffalo's not looking long run. They're just trying to stay alive right now. You got okay. Who else do you have? You have Sam Sam Reinhart. I don't know what he's getting, but he. I think he's better than Jeff Skinner. I think he is. I think he's an all around better player. I love. He just keeps getting better and better every year. Because there was a moment there where me and Pinello were like. Uh, he went second overall. It's like, uh, does he have that offensive ability? And then you look at a guy like a Sam Bennett who went fourth, and it's like, okay, now you're literally in the bust conversation. You're not really doing much. So, I mean, like, I look at this contract, and it's like guys like Leon Dreisaitl, like they paved the way for big contracts. But then you have guys like Jeff Skinner and Evander Kane and guys like this that are just literally shitting on it. They're like, yeah, I'll get nine. I'll get seven and a half. I'll put up. 55 points and then now you have guys like marner who are free agents and it's like this guy's getting nine mil what the hell is marner gonna get 12 mil well that's another thing though i think with hockey though that's kind of tough is that but that's the thing they always look at other contracts that's why the jack like jack eichel basically was the guy that said 
I'm going to start it all. I'm going to get 10 and a half. That means McDavid's going to want 12 and a half. Well, and then we're going to start getting more into the double digits. Well, but hockey players, we all know, and we can all agree on this for a long time. They've been the most underpaid athletes in the world. Come on. Soccer players are making salary, like th- six figure salaries a week. NBA players make stupid amounts of money. M- NFL players make some crazy guaranteed money if they make guaranteed money. And then you got hockey players that are like, we'll give you a bridge deal two years, four mil. And if you get a bad concussion or break your leg, your career could be over. So I think what Gary Bedman needs to really think about, and I know the salary cap's going up, but they got to, they got to, include like maybe a luxury tax or something like that i know it's not going to be fair in the league but it allows players to get paid what they deserve because guys like Sidney crosby that should be getting paid he wasn't getting paid a lot in his prime he should be he's a lot more to me he's the to me he's the most underpaid player of all time was he 8.7 he like there was a moment there where le cavalier was getting paid more than him well, but that that goes to teams who are trying to sign guys for stupid money. Yeah, I read I read an article too. lately. I think he's like the twenty third most paid player in the league. Also, oh, how much has to do with twenty third deals? You don't see NHL players go no. up to the All Star game and want to play it. So no. <laughs> a lot of that too could be their fault. Batman's giving them a platform. Yeah, go out and play, and you have Ovechkin saying, "I don't want to play. I'll take the two game suspension." Yeah, maybe he needs to say, "You're doing playing this game. You're not getting paid, All right, Ovi? So get <laughs> it off your little beer, uh, your super over there. Get on the ice and go sell some TV deals. Like that's what that's gonna. If you look at TNT in the NBA, <laughs> oh that's what's God. putting like that's what's putting people in the seat like Shaq and Barkley like the reason why they want to work in those jobs instead of like play they cut their career short They're a little bit paid. they get money and that's what the NHL they needs to do paid. for Ovi to do that yeah. too but even, even, even in to. the All-Star game in the NBA you win the All-Star game you split whatever the the, the purse is yeah. between the players like you gotta do something like that in the NHL not your last pick in the draft, you get a fucking car. No one in the, no one, no one in the NHL, not friendly, wants to be given a Honda for free. Yeah, even in the NFL. I remember Brock Besser's reaction. Do you remember that? I remember Phil's reaction. I remember Brock, be- like, th- like he won the the MVP. He's like, oh yeah, you're gonna get this car, and he literally just like did what? Like he just turned her eyes, like okay, I'll give it to my mom or something. Just tow it to the scrap. Like, yeah, that's okay. So come on, man. Phil donated his to the children's hospital, or whatever it was. It's like these guys have Ferraris in their entry level deals. You're giving them a fucking Honda Civic. <laughs> Get it together, Gary. I remember Line when he signed his first contract, got like a S six or something. Yeah, no, it's like, these, okay. guys, these guys spend money, they've got money, like and and you know Okay, so my biggest question now with this whole Jeff Skinner thing, what does this mean for, for, for free agency this year? Because there are huge names, massive names that are available and I'm guarantee you. I could say four guys that are gonna—they're worth more than nine. If he's getting nine, money talks. I will say this: you have Miko Rantanen, who's coming off of two years over a point a game. I think he's gonna want at least ten million dollars. Matt Kachuk is the heart and soul guy on the Calgary Flames, already an assistant captain. That guy's gonna probably want around nine million dollars. He just came off another career year. Even guys, Patrick Laine's an RFA. What are you giving Patrick Laine? He wants $10 million minimum. Mitch Marner. There's a lot of names that I think are worth more than $9 million that Jeff Skinner's getting. Not to mention offer sheets, too. Yeah. That's going to be the Well, Ryan O'Reilly was the godfather of that, and that didn't work out. Calgary. Shea Weber. Shea Weber is actually the godfather of that. Oh, yeah. Philly. Philly Philly fucked Nashville hard with that one. Well, no. They they fucked Montreal hard with that one. Well, yeah. Afterwards, (laughs) yes. Afterwards, yes. 
Yeah, Skinner's he's basically like the the opening topic now in contract situations. Oh. Like I want this much. Look what Skinner's making. Yeah. That's like, cause we remember, remember, about. like, a, like a, I'd say, like four or five months ago. Remember, we were like, oh, Drysida was that guy. Where it's like, he didn't really, he's not really proven, but he got the eight mil. So it's like, what, like, I want what Drysida wants. Like, I had two good years in my rookie deal. I want eight and a half right now, long term. For the but same. now they're gonna be like, I want Skinner, cause yeah. he's one concussion away from like a yeah. career. His career's done if he gets one more concussion. It's he has not. To it's not even. It's not even. Like he produces numbers, but it's how inconsistent he is, and it's the the term is to me is stupid. Yeah. Well, eight years for a guy like you just said, that's one concussion away from potentially well, ending. Well, and, and for Jeff Skinner, that's a good contract for him because it you know you don't hope guys get hurt and have to retire, but if he does, he's got that he's got money and it's guaranteed. You know, that's the... Well, yeah, as a human thing. being, yeah, of course. It's great for him. But, but the thing is, we, we've seen throughout, you know, the history of sports, not just in hockey, but lately it's been in hockey. Guys like Sidney Crosby, he was he's probably one more concussion away from really contemplating hanging him up, if that, you know. And there are guys that had to retire, like Eric Lindros. Yeah. That like, bad. that guy could have played for a few more years if he didn't get his head kicked the shit out of by a bunch of guys. Hmm. So... For Jeff Skinner, it's good for him to get paid. You can never be against the guy for holding out for his money unless it affects the team. Well, the thing is, he didn't even hold out. They just kind of said... No, but traditionally, you would figure a guy like him would have to hold out. And another thing that's going to fuck free agency for a lot of teams is that you have those teams that are at the floor of the cap, and they got to sign someone big to meet the cap. So The the Islanders. The smaller markets are going to have to spend big to get some but they have barzell i think that's going to be a big part of their cap right there is barzell's contract but a lot of teams like columbus who are basically dismantling for, like in front of our very own eyes they're i think they're not going to really be a good team next year I, i'll say they'll be bottom five maybe not bottom five because they have seb jones and Wierenski and dubois and all these guys but if you, uh, if you get rid of bobrovsky and panarin who the hell is your goalie First of all, that's my number one question. Is it Corpusalo? I don't even think he's that good. Is that the backup? Him or Merz Linkit? I don't know. Like they have a lot of like international goalies, and they're not really proven yet. So, oh no, they have uh, they have uh, what's his name Wedgwood. Uh, your boy. <laughs> they have Scott Wedgwood. But no, let's move on from Skinner to Eric Carlson. Just no. signing a fresh deal. I th- I honestly think that this deal is not good for the Sharks, and I'll tell you why in a second, but I just want your thoughts. $11.5 million for eight years, $92 million. Did they pay too much for Eric Carlson? Ah. That's uh, tough. I want to say no. Because, like, g- given the age and... How old is he, 28? Yeah, like, oh. and what he's done, everyone kind of expected he would get around that number. But then the second a contract like that is signed, you kind of just look long-term right away. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you think, oh, what, what's it going to be like four or five years from now when their team's dismantled and Carlson's like 36 and he's not as good as a skater. But Look, look, at, look at Dion Phaneuf. He just got bought out. He was on a stupid contract. And, you know, you look at it like long-term. We all know Eric Carlson is one of the best defensemen in the NHL. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say he is, but I'm not gonna say he's not. Uh, he I'll say I'll say after that injury, he's never he has not been the same. 
That 2016 playoff run with the Ottawa Senators, he was a top three player in the league. But now I'm looking at it. He's banged up. He's damaged. And now he just gets a monster eight-year deal. Monster. We all wouldn't mind though making that money living yeah, in the sun in San Jose though. Come no, on. but here's my here's my biggest question with this contract. Brent Burns is signed until he's like 39. <clears throat> Eric Carlson is now signed until he's 36. Two defensemen that are yes, they're Norris winners, they're unreal uh, offensive D, but you have to figure, you have to remember, Timo Meir is a free agent. Joel Pavelski is a free agent. Joel Thornton is a free agent. Kevin LeBanc is a free agent. Gustav Nyquist is a free agent. So you sign, you sign all these guys. You sign this contract for Eric Carlson. You have that stupid contract with Brett Burns, and you have that stupid contract with Evander Kane. So what does this mean now for, this, for the offense of the San Jose Sharks? I think the, the second I saw this deal, they I, can't I, they can't afford my. I don't think they can afford Timo Meyer now. I didn't even have to look at their team right away. I just said, okay, Evander Kane's gone because there's no fucking way they're letting Timo Meyer walk. LeBanc's gonna get a raise, regardless of where he goes. I think he'll stay with San Jose. But if I had to pick one guy on that team that they have to try to it's, somehow get off that team, it's Kane. I think I'm gonna go with uh, Brent Burns going back to playing forward. Because if you put him at the right wing, he's making a he has a long term deal. So it's like you're paying all this money in your defense. Carlson's going to be the man on defense with Vlasic, and I don't know long term. I don't like it because now uh, in a few years Burns is going to decline, Vlasic will decline, and then you'll be in a situation where you're like Ottawa again. You'll have no one around you. I think Eric Carlson should have went to free agency, signed with Vegas. That was the best fit, especially all the guys they have. And long term. I think he made a mistake. But short term, San Jose have one year, maybe two is pushing it to go for a cup. The, the, the thing is, we've been saying this for, I don't want to say the last decade, but it feels it's like... It's been a decade. It, it's been a long time. I already know what you're going to say. San Jose is close. San yeah. Jose is close. It's been a while. And free agent signing after free agent signing. But here's the thing that I want to... They just can't get it done. And I don't know if them spending this money... Like, Doug Wilson has done a pretty good job over there, to a, like, to a point. But I don't know. At this point, it's like you're sinking your ship because it's like we're just gonna we have this much cap space. Okay, we'll sign him. And then it's like, what are you gonna do with the guy that's been the center point of your franchise since Patrick Marlowe left, Joe Pavelski? What are you gonna do with him? He's. I don't think he's. I don't think he's coming back. No, but the, the guy played with a broken jaw for you. I'm surprised he still played actually. Like, yeah. <laughs> Once he went down. You know? it, it, well, uh, like again, uh, I will get into this contract. I think this is a big mistake. For the San Jose Sharks. And here's why. Eight years is a long time, first of all. $11.5 million for a defenseman, to me, I don't care who you are. No D is worth $11.5 million. You you got to look back. I know, like, the salary cap goes up every year. You got to look at what players like Scott Niedermeyer and guys like all these other guys were getting. They were, like, bought, they weren't even top 50 when they were getting paid. And now you have Eric Carlson, who's like a uh, – mind you – he was a top five player. He's coming to – He's also, I'm very disappointed that he stayed in San Jose. I would have wanted to maybe see him go back to the East because I think he's, he thrives better in an offensive conference. The, the We all know that the West is a lot more physical. It's a lot more physically dominant. If he's going to stay on the Sharks, can his legs even, like, keep up? Like, he's had Achilles injuries. Like, 
like this is to me this is almost the same as a Jeff Skinner deal. It's very risky, but uh, I don't know, man. Like with this contract, a lot of people are saying, "Oh yeah, I think the Sharks are going to win the cup in the next couple of years." We've been saying this for so long. They've had guys like Joe Thornton in their prime, Marlowe in their prime, Jeez. Logan Couture as a little baby coming up. They still couldn't get it done. They yeah. couldn't beat the Kings. They were up 3-1 in a series. Dan Boyle lost his shit to a reporter. Could not beat Jonathan Quick. I said earlier, Jonathan Quick, that four-year span, killed the Sharks every time. Every single time. Kopitar and Quick, just wave at the Sharks, fan. Just wave because you're beating them every single time. Now that you have Eric Carlson for another eight years, does Evander Kane leave? I really hope so because I want Timo Meyer to stay there. I think he is their next big, big guy there. A lot of people don't see it. I, I've said to Mass before, what do you think about Timo Meyer? And he's not a big fan of him. He's more of a Kevin LeBanc fan. But that guy's also, he was a draft steal, fourth round. Stupid. Um, but, and I don't know. I don't know if this Carlson signing can put them over the hump of finally they can do it because we've been saying it for so damn long. And um, But I want to kind of bring back St. Louis for a second. We've been saying that for a long time as well. We've been saying that, oh, the Blues are never going to win. They're facing the, the Blackhawks in the first round or the Jets or the that? Preds. And they would always lose. But this year they finally came together because of not Jake Allen, <laughs> because of Jordan Bennington. What about the team before to win? The Blues. Oh my God! With, oh my God. with Bacchus and fucking no, 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 the team who won the cup before the Blues, Washington. Yeah. Oh, yeah, people have been pegging them yeah. to win the cup. Oh, Obi and Backstrom—they're too old now. They'll make the playoffs, but they won't win. Oh, they got they oh, they're, oh, they're facing Sidney Crosby. Oh, they'll lose again. Yeah, and so they finally they, prevailed. So the comforting, <laughs> the comforting thing for San Jose is. <laughs> There's always a niff. Yeah, well, no, they, they, you always have a chance. They have a chance, and that's that's the. The greatest thing about, you know, any sport is that you have some sort of a chance. Well, look at the Raptors. A lot of people were saying Warriors in four and Bucks in four. And the Raps kept coming back and they prevailed. So hopefully for the Sharks' sake and Eric Carlson, hopefully they could finally, finally get over that hump. But I don't want them to. Seems like you win when you're not supposed to. Yeah. In the yeah. last two years of fucking Burns and Carlson's deal, they'll win the cup when they're both like 35, 36. <laughs> and some Burns, guy we're not talking about right now yeah. will be the star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but moving forward, one more thing before we get into the mock drafts. Jacob Truba going to the Rangers. Do you guys like this move for the Jets? No. I think the Jets should have hauled out. Isn't he an RFA? Yeah. yeah. I think they should have just hauled out. A team would have gave them like – seven million dollars maybe the rangers would have given seven million dollars they would have to pay like one a first round pick maybe a second rounder they could have got the draft picks and i don't know i just don't like the, the way they just a fifth round pick and a prospect like not a, i don't think it's good this is for the jets i like it because of what they have to do going forward as I'm, much as i like Truba, you have to you gotta sign line a you gotta sign connor yeah yeah <laughs> it, i'm even looking at what Truba wanted like he wanted I think around seven and a half and it's like you're good but you're not like prove to me that you're worth that you're not worth that and like you said guys like Line A and Connor they're the they're the number one priority for Shebel Dayoff obviously because Line is a 40 goal scorer and Kyle Connor's coming up back-to-back 30 goal seasons which you don't really do that in your rookie contract that often so they have two great scores there a steal in that draft. Thank God the Bruins did not draft Kyle Connor. Um, 
But yeah, uh, I, I like it actually for both teams. I think Neil Poink is a pretty good defenseman. I don't think he's that bad. I know he's our age. He's 24. Um, the second, uh, the 20th pick, it could be like a Ryan Suzuki. I really don't know. It could be a, def- a depth defenseman or a depth forward. But, you know, for the Rangers, I think they're taking a shot here. But you know what, actually, the more I'm thinking about it, they have Kevin Shattenkirk's contract. And now if they have, to, if they sign Yak- Jacob Truba to like a $7 million contract, I don't know if that's that they might have to do a Kevin Shattenkirk buyout soon if he doesn't if he continues to perform or like this. Or a long quest, yeah. yeah. Well, the the thing I think though with this trade for both I'll say teams, next year. Both teams are at a, a very crucial point, especially Winnipeg. Winnipeg's at the point where it's kind of like they're kicking tires, like they want to win now. Not not just they're not kicking tires. They got to figure out what it takes to win because I mean I love Paul Maurice and what he's done there. They they might feel like they have to do what the Raptors did and get rid of. Paul Maurice and trade a star to bring in someone else to try to win a cup. Well, I'm telling you right now, that star would be Nikolai Ehlers if they had to trade someone. That coach Randy Carlisle. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be every league fan worst nightmare. But I think um, the big scenario though with Truba going forward is that I think he's finally going to be in a place where he actually wants to play. With him going to Winnipeg, it seemed like he always felt the need okay, I'll just stay here until they don't want me anymore or until they trade me or until I get signed somewhere else. And that didn't work for him. We all saw that. He sat out majority of the year till the very end and he signed and or he'd go to arbitration. So he's finally going to be happy. I mean, I just saw a headline here saying that Truba, quote, I quote, saying, I could see myself being in New York for a long time, end quote. So I think he's going to be finally in a place where he wants to be and where he thinks he'll enjoy playing. He wants to be on the big stage. He wants to be an original 16. Winnipeg's great because it's a small market, but their fans are nuts, kind of like the Raptors here. But it's not a, it's not the biggest market in the world. You know, you go to an, everyone wants to play for an original 16, right? For the most part. Well, Actually, uh, I want to say I, I really do like this for the Rangers because ever right. since like it's Mc, a re, it's a refresh for them because since McDonough left, they kind of been lacking yeah. that like. Yeah. Not not like a point, like a sixty point defender, one of those guys, just someone to really shut it down. Sean Kirk was never that guy. He's strict offense. He can't even fucking play defense. No, that's why he works so well with Petrangelo those years in in, in St. Louis, playing as like the fourth guy there. But like Truba, you know, he can step in. You'll play twenty plus minutes a night. He'll give you thirty five to forty five points, and I can see him there for the next ten years being a real staple on that blue line. Um, so moving forward, we're gonna talk about the mock draft quickly. Um, I know a lot of people, this has been actually a kind of a quiet year for like the headlines haven't been as impactful like a Matthews or a McDavid. Um, but the race has been fun. We saw 2017 Nico Heischer crept up on Nolan Patrick, took the first spot over him. Um, Line A almost took the first spot over Matthews with his ascension. But what are your guys thoughts on Capo Caco's ascension? I mean, he, he was projected fifth at the beginning of the year. And now a lot of people are having him. After the World Championships, they're considering him going number one overall. What are your thoughts on his ascension? It uh, kind of reminds me of Lainey's a few years ago when he was, you know, uh, kind of lower part of the top ten, and then he just kind of shot up. But I first saw Kako at the Worlds, and he was the only guy really. I think one of he was. He's not even technically a pro, is he? No. So no, they had like two pros on that team, and you know, Kako was there and. He really just stood out. He's one of those guys that I feel like people are going to pay to just see him. Really skilled guy. Uh, I don't know if he's going to go first, though, but 
Yeah. I would take him first overall. Load up <laughs> on one line. You have Hall, Heeshear, and Kako for like wow. the next few years. And, you know, Kako Kako's a beast. You need a big presence there. Jack Hughes to me is like, I don't know where you would fit in their lineup. I think Kapo Kako's a better fit in New Jersey. And he's going to be scoring a lot of goals. I think he's going to dominate his first year. And I'm oh. going to go even further. I think he takes a Calder Trophy first year. Oh. Oh. Over Logan. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. For me, I didn't, like like a lot of us, we don't know a whole heck of a lot about him. But when watching the World, the world Championships, seeing some clips of this kid play, he looks like he can really play. Um, I think the big thing for whoever's drafting, especially now more than ever, it's not about drafting the big names now. I think for a lot of the teams, they've done that the past couple of years and they've put themselves in good spots. Now for teams, it's about drafting what fits. Well, look what we saw last year. Barrett Hayden, third overall. No one really knew him. So. Or fifth definitely. overall. Sorry, Kokanyemi went third. Yeah. That was a fitting pick too. So I think, like what Alino was saying, if if the Devils think that he fits the fits best, I'd, I'd draft him because at the end of the day, that's what's going to matter the most. You don't need the best guy all the time. You need someone that's going to fit right away to get the success because you don't want to be last forever because no one's going to come and watch your games. Now, I know there's a lot of pressure with doing mock drafts and, you know, like this is all, this is what sports is all about, you know, doing mock drafts, fantasy stuff. Is it safe to say that Jack Hughes is going number one overall this year? I know Alino just argued saying he's not, but... A lot of people that I've talked to or what I've seen online, a lot of people are comparing him. It's crazy to think this. They're comparing his skating to McDavid, and they're comparing his skill to Kane. So if you mesh those two together, that's a that's a force that you really can't stop. So if I'm the Devils, the fact that they won the lottery is amazing. Yeah. They, I mean, Taylor Hall, I don't know what it is with him. He's <laughs> like a, he, he brings the luck. Um I think Jack Hughes fits better on the Devils than the Rangers. Uh, I think Nico Heischer is not that number one centerman that a lot of teams expected him. I, I love him. I think he's a great two-way center. A lot of people don't they don't appreciate they don't really bring up his defensive ability. I, like a lot of people, like when you look at Nico Heischer, he has a baby face. You know, he's not the biggest guy, but he actually he gets in the corners and he actually does a great defensive job. Um, Jack Hughes, to me, is that offensive weapon that the Devils, they desperately need. They don't have any offense other than Taylor Hall. And that I think he only won the Hart Trophy because he was basically the only one putting up like 90 points. He played great. Taylor Hall needs that centerman in Jack Hughes. And I think that Jack Hughes, Taylor Hall, that's a great duo for next season. I'm with you there. I got Hughes going first overall. Had that for a while. The fit is perfect, but regardless of that, I just think he's the best player, which would, no one really talks about. Would you trade the pick to New York? Ooh. Go second down. Say, what are you willing to give up if you want to draft one? If I'm okay, if I'm doing that, I'm asking for Zibanejad. I need a centerman. Yeah, Zibanejad, the second pick, but then I'd go down and look at uh, other prospects they might have and say, okay, we were thinking of getting uh, Jack Hughes, but... What would you be willing to give? And then after you go circle around to other teams, seeing what they would give, and at the end of the day, draft Jack Hughes and then keep him on your roster and screw them all over. I like when Pittsburgh <laughs> swapped with Florida, the 1-3 yeah. spot. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, but other than that, we have third overall, Bowen Byram. I know a lot of you guys don't really know him. 
he is a mobile defenseman. He's kind of like a Scott Niedermeyer. He's been compared to that. I'm not going to compare any rookie to that because that's just greatness. I'll, if anything, I'll compare a Bowen Byram to like a Miro Heiskinen. This guy is very puck mobile. Um, Adam Boykfis is in the Blackhawks system right now. He's looking like a blue chip prospect. If you're the Chicago Blackhawks at number three, I know, Alino, you said you would potentially trade this pick. Yeah. But would you draft another defenseman if you're Chicago? If you can trade Seabrook, I would. But just the way their defense is, and they're all locked up long term, this draft pick that they get isn't going to be on their team for maybe five years. If you're like really looking, because you would have to buy out one of those guys, and then I don't think they would want to do that because they'd be in cap hell. With mm-hmm. $6 million being bought out, twenty or $21 million for Taves and Kane. So I don't think they're in a position where they could buy out. So their defense is looking bad in the few next few years. I think either way, though, if you take a prominent player at three, which is a pretty fucking good spot, you're going to get a guy who's going to get that money regardless yeah. of position. So you're going to have to switch things around. But for the Hawks, they're kind of in a situation where like, they're just... They're kind of spread out evenly throughout the table. I think another D would be solid for them. Yeah, it, it will probably give their their defense a not a reset but a refresh. Because since those guys are all getting up there, they've all played a lot of hockey. They're getting old, and sometimes you see teams they'll get a young player whether it's in the playoffs or regular season. Uh, the example I want to use is a guy like Jake Gunson. Guy comes out of nowhere in the playoffs, plays oh, phenomenal, yeah, carries it, and he just but he rejuvenated that offense and that team to help them win a cup. I think I think that, you know like I think Dabrinka could do that exactly that in Chicago. But the only thing I'm worried about is that if you draft this kid for defense in your Chicago and if he's not going to play for your team, the only benefit that you have of drafting him if he does have that promise is you can package him in a trade to maybe yeah. get a better defenseman that's closer to his prime instead of having to wait. So there are pro like anything, there's pros and cons to any player you draft, but for Chicago's sake. If they do it to draft him for a refresh, they could really work out, or it could it could fail. So for them, they're definitely gonna like anything. If worst case, they'll trade him, and they'll get maybe a picks or more cap space. That's what that's what it'll become at the end of the day. Now we could talk a lot about this, but I want to talk. I want to just ask you guys this. This is going to be a very fun question. Out of all the players that have been drafted, who do you see winning the Calder Trophy next year? If, like, we're discluding this draft. I know you said Kako winning it. Discluding the draft that's going to happen, who would you have win the Calder Trophy that's already been drafted? You know who I'm going to say? Kale McCarr, Colorado Avalanche. I mean, six points in ten games in the playoffs. He also won it with UMass. I'm trying so hard to think of names right now. Yeah, I'm just. <laughs> I'm not That's sure, tough. but yeah, that would be because he is gonna get a top four role there, right? Yeah, right away. He was playing already 17 to 20 minutes in the playoffs, and he looked so comfortable already. So, yeah, that might be your pencil in number one. You know who's another guy that no one talks about? Philip Sedina. He's another guy. Oh, the guy you dropped due to positional. Yeah, the fucking NBA now. <laughs> Do you know how happy the Red Wings were when they drafted him? It was like I remember I went on Twitter. And everyone's like, oh, the Red Wings won the draft. They got Philip Zadina, best offensive player in the draft. And I'm like, best offensive player in the draft? You're telling me he's going to be better offensively than Svechnikov? I don't know about that. But, like, last, I'm looking at last year's draft. 
it's not looking the greatest right now. Like I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, like you have the Colt Kenny Emmy. He played a full year, didn't really put up a lot of points. Like uh, I don't know. That's why it's kind of tough. I love Rasmus Sandin. I think he's gonna be a great defenseman. He won't win the Calder, obviously, but um, it's not us being biased, by the way. No, he's fucking he's great. He, is he now I understand why Kyle Dubas traded down. And he was so confident. He's like, yeah, we're going to get our guy at 27. It doesn't matter. We're going to get Sandine. And I was like, take all these other schmucks. Okay, this guy played in the SHL. Okay, let's see what this guy does. He played in the O, led Sault Ste. Marie, whatever. And now he goes to the Marlies, and he he was amazing. But moving forward, we're going to talk quickly about the NBA draft. Zion Williamson going number one is a for sure thing. Um, A lot of people have compared him to Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, Blake Griffin, a lot of different comparisons. I think he is arguably the most watched prospect since LeBron James and the most monitored. What are your guys' thoughts on Zion? I think he's like, if you're comparing games, him and NCAA and I would say LeBron in high school, same type of thing, drives right to the basket, gets fouls because they're all that's the only way you can stop him, and he makes his teammates better. You saw R.J. Barrett, what they added together, that duo, and he's able to space out the other guys like the point guard and make sure that everybody's available to maybe get a three and then he can post up right when he gets the ball back he's dynamic he can go right from the wing to the center i think and he can block multiple positions so i think he's a most complete player in this draft and definitely going number one this is just uh great for their franchise too they get the first pick and then they make the huge deal and they're going to look completely different and the youth movement's really all over there it's definitely a change-up of things compared to what New Orleans has been used to, considering like they've tried with some big names. And trading Anthony Davis, I think, for them, it's a huge relief. But the thing that worries me the most about Zion, considering like the way the NBA is going, is that athletic guys are dominating the league. He's very athletic. He is a, he's a tank. He's like Giannis, except maybe a little bit shorter, but he's got maybe... I want to say maybe 25 pounds more of muscle on him. Yeah. So to try to stop that is going to be like next to impossible. Is it LeBron-esque how athletic he is? Yeah. Yes. My only concern for him is that he needs to learn a jump shot. Yeah. He does. Because if, if you can't shoot in this league, you become like a Giannis where you, you play against You become Kawhi a meme. Or... You literally become a meme. You go from MVP to meme. Literally. Well, you end up playing against a guy like Kawhi Leonard and you just, you're not a factor. So if he if he can develop a shot, I'm not saying he needs to develop one right now because the league's gonna have to adjust to him. And if if they can't, then he can keep doing whatever he wants to do. But until he runs into that roadblock, whether it's Kawhi Leonard or whoever it is, he's gonna have to develop a jump shot because you can't get away with anymore in the NBA from what we've seen in this playoffs, but also the season of running it down someone's throat and going up for a dunk. You got to be able to post up and drop back and pull up a little J. Well, the thing with Zion to me that is unreal and unique is you haven't seen a guy as athletic as him since Blake Griffin, I think. You look at what he's what he does at his position, his weight, his vertical is like 7'5", and he's 280. You, you don't – like this just does not happen over – like this guy's been training his ass off since he was like 14. He's got bigger shoulders than Kawhi Leonard, and he's getting – like he's going – He's going to go to the Pelicans. He's going, it's going to be his team. Is he going to stay there? Probably not. I'm not going to lie. He, I feel like he's a guy that will thrive under the big lights, maybe like a Knicks or a Celtics down the – see, like this is the thing with NBA. You get drafted to a team, you could be out of there in three years. 
So we could say a lot about this Pelicans team. They're going to be exciting to watch with Ball, Ingram, all these first and second overall picks. But if they leave, then that's it. And we've seen it so many times before. Kyrie Irving in the presser. I'm going to be a Boston Celtic for life. <laughs> that's not happening. Eh, no. So, I mean, <clears throat> Zion going number one to the Pelicans. I personally, as an NBA fan, I wanted the Knicks to actually win this lottery for once and get the first pick because I think Zion in New York would have been perfect for advertising, for the NBA. I think it would have been a perfect thing. But, you know, this is a great opportunity for New Orleans. They haven't had a star since Chris Paul. So now you're getting Zion Williamson. You got rid. Well, you had Davis, but Davis didn't want to be there. So um, you have Zion Williamson. You're going to have Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. Drew Holiday is a pretty damn solid player. Um, Jalil Okafor, third overall. Uh, no, nah, I'm just kidding. He's not that good. But um, yeah, this is going to be a monumental moment for the New Orleans Pelicans franchise. And if when this guy becomes a free agent, I'm, I'm offering this guy the world. I'm offering him $250 million and then some. But I want to talk about the second overall pick, John Morant. This guy, I know Pinello, you don't know much about him. This guy dominated NCAA March Madness. Their team did not go anywhere, but he did. He managed to upset three teams. He got three triple doubles in a row, the first to do that since Draymond Green. We know how good Draymond Green is, but he's the first point guard ever to do that. So how special do you think John Morant is? I think that's really special, especially if you're a point guard that can do that. That's like Russell Westbrook type. That's what they're coming comparing right him into to. the league. And who has the second pick is Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis. They're gonna have JV and him. Maybe JV's gonna be. Making, he opted out, I think. Yeah, because he wants. He thinks he's gonna get twenty five million dollars. Probably will, because they're desperate. Probably go to Phoenix. Yeah. So he's if he has JV there, I think that could be a guy who can pick and roll, and you can get all the triple doubles he wants. It'll be like an Enns Cantor and Russell Westbrook situation over there. But they do have other talent surrounding them. If he does. Like, if he's NBA ready right now, they're just not going to contend in the first year. I think what Memphis has to do is they have to get rid of Mike Conley and they got to hit reset. Yeah. You got to give John Morant the key and you got to give Jaron Jackson Jr. the key. And that is basically it. They, they Like, they did it. That is exactly how a rebuild goes. You trade Marcus Gasol, he wins a championship. Been there for, like, 11 years. You're trying to get rid of Mar- Mike Conley, who just signed a a max deal stupid contract mind you though he went fourth overall in 07 he's been there through it all i would he has two years left i'd try and get rid of him you start fresh with john morant who is looking to be the next russell westbrook and jaron jackson jr who's looking to be one of the best up and coming power forwards in the game um with the third pick it's the knicks rj barrett is rumored to go there i think this is a perfect fit for him i have him being the next paul george i think he's going to be the best kid in this draft I think the Pelicans need to do everything in their power to try and trade up that fourth pick that they got from the Lakers to get R.J. Barrett because that's going to be the deciding factor in keeping Zion Williamson past like three years. Because if you can have those two guys together, Lonzo Ball, I think is very, very underrated duo right there. But Lonzo Ball brings with him the free advertisement of LeVar Ball, the big baller <laughs> brand advertisement. They don't even have to like fund a marketing campaign. Just have him go on ESPN and talk all the stupid crap he does. And yeah. uh, like, he'll say Zion's better than LeBron, Jordan. His son's the greatest player of all time. And just everyone will tune in to watch them because they'll want them to lose. But you'll have like five starting players, potential all-stars on your team long term. I think that's the Pelicans' best option right now. Yeah. 
R.J. Barrett is definitely a player that if, if the Pelicans are able to get him, they have the, uh, I don't want to say the missing piece to the puzzle, but it'd be pretty damn close to that because Zion and R.J. for Duke, they were like walking double-doubles or triple-doubles when they were playing with each other. It was like phenomenal what they were able to he do. He broke the freshman record, uh, yeah. R.J. Barrett, for points on Duke. Exactly. So you put those two together. I know it's going to be their, if, let's say that it does happen, their first year in the NBA with each other, but... They'll go from being a laughing stock to probably the most interesting team in the NBA. Yeah, but the thing, the thing that's going to be interesting is that depending on what happens with Zion, John Morant, and RJ, the thing with those three is that you'll see very quickly in this NBA league, once they get drafted, no matter where they go, people will be rethinking this draft for after the first year, for sure. Because they're like, if John Morant goes off wherever he goes, and he's an all-star. Some he people is, have him like over Zion, which is crazy. It's it's because he has a more complete game. He doesn't have to work. He has a three-point shot. shot. He does. He you does know, have same, it. Same with RJ. RJ can shoot too. So that's the thing. People are gonna be like, well, if Zion gets figured out quick, he can't shoot. He's gonna be considered a bust. Whereas RJ and Ja are gonna be phenomenal, and they're gonna be able to do everything that they can. So it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out over time. But they're all going to have crazy impacts no matter where they go for the first year. And now to close out this podcast, because we've been kind of a while, um, with this Anthony Davis trade going to the Lakers, if you're the Lakers, now that you're LeBron, you're missing a point guard and a shooting guard. Free agency, who is the one guy you're going after? I think uh, everyone's been talking about Kemba Walker. So (laughs) that's probably the most high-profile name there other than KD. So... I feel like they'll go after him and solidify that. Yeah, I think Kyrie Irving. Because I think Kemba Walker, Jordan's going to get in uh, Kemba Walker's ear yeah. and probably convince him to stay for one year. Or Kemba Walker will just go to Boston or New York. But I think Kyrie Irving with LeBron and AD together just. Oh my that's God. Yeah, that's a big three over there. And if, if, if Kyrie's smart, I'm not saying Kyrie's, Kyrie's going to be stupid if he doesn't go to the Lakers. But if Kyrie wants to win championships again, he had he can't do it by himself. And him being with Boston proved that he has to be with LeBron. It's the only way that they those two actually work together. It's like Pippen and Jordan. I'm not saying that Jordan needed Pippen as much as Pippen needed Jordan, but it's like PB and J. It's not the same. So if those two are together with Anthony Davis, I really like the chance of winning a title. Yeah, um, I think Anthony Davis next year is going to be. Uh I think I think straight out LeBron, he's had great teammates. Dwayne Wade, in his prime. I don't think there's a better teammate than Anthony Davis. Because Davis to me could be the best player in the NBA. Like we've seen the last two years, he's dropped 28 and 28, and like he's dropped 28 points and like 14 rebounds the last two years, and his three point shot is only getting better. He's only so, and his playmaking ability is only getting better. So I think Anthony Davis may be the best teammate LeBron has ever had. And um, that's why the Lakers are favorites to win next year. And I think it's going to be a hell of a ride. But if I'm the Lakers, guess who I'm going after? I'm giving this guy a second chance in L.A., D'Angelo Russell. Welcome back. Come home. We screw it. I would admit straight up. I'd be like, sorry for taking ball over you. I think – D'Lo would be the perfect shooting guard, catch-and-shoot guy for LeBron. That would be terrifying. The team would have to watch out, though. He's uh, 
with that camera on his phone. He would snitch yeah, again. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Nah, nah. I think he's over that. I think he looked like a great leader in Brooklyn. So They still have Kuzma, right? They do. I would trade Kuzma to San Antonio and get DeMar. Oh, <laughs> That's three max contracts, at least Oof. for more. And then you can just sign a bunch of 10-day contracts. You have a mid-range shooter. LeBron who can just drive to the net, and you have the best center, Anthony. Now, there is something I have not heard yet. That's juicy. Kuzma for DeRozan. (laughs) That's scary. I don't know if I would do that if I'm San Antonio. Like, Kuzma's good, but, like, DeMar DeRozan. They need to rebuild so bad. Like, DeMar DeRozan, when you look at that team, LaMarcus Aldridge just declined so much. He's a a free agent now. So, Rudy Gay they have, like, what what are you going to do with that guy? Like, yeah, the Spurs are in trouble. Spurs are in trouble. Well, Kawhi's a dynasty killer. Yeah, he killed he, he, <laughs> by leaving his own team. Yeah. He, he killed three dynasties. He killed Miami. He killed the Warriors. And, and he, he killed, killed his own. <laughs> he killed Popovich's <laughs> career. Like I'm leaving. Bye. Sorry. You're not gonna w- have another winning record ever again. No, you, you, no, he did this year, you, but you, you can't kill Popovich's career. You can't. That that, that guy's probably the best coach in basketball history. ever. Yeah, ever, ever, ever. Not close. Not close. At all. You look at his records, like, in elimination games. I think he's, like, 301 and, like, 50. Well, he's coaching He's coaching the, the men's national team in FIBA this year. He's the most well-liked, most respected. Like, it's just, well, that's it. Unless you're Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. <laughs> I, remember, I, remember, I remember when his, his wife died and they told LeBron. Like, he literally started crying. LeBron. It's like, holy shit, how much is, of an impact does this guy have on this guy? Like, it's would, crazy. That would be one guy I would have loved to have seen him coach. If Popovich could have coached LeBron. Because oh. LeBron hasn't really had, like, the greatest basketball minds to coach him. I mean, LeBron's a great basketball mind in itself. But, like, imagine if he had, like, a, a Phil Jackson or a Greg Popovich. Like, that'd be, that'd be unreal. That'd be, like, retarded. Like, Well, regardless... Whoever LeBron has as a coach, he's the coach. Yeah. Like Jason, Kidd. like Ty Lue. <laughs> Who the hell is Ty Lue? Who's I, Ty Lue? He got stepped over by Allen. No, I mean like as a coach. Like you look at Ty Lue's career as a coach. Like he was the coach that would like just kind of hide. Yeah, yeah. he'd be like, he'd be like, give me this. I'm fucking. You're just a coach on paper. Just okay, J- there. okay, Jr. Go out wide. Don't shoot. Pass me the ball, and I'll get it in. And then Jr. said, No, I'm gonna run out the clock in game one because I thought we were winning. <laughs> And then LeBron's like, no. But yeah, um, that's it for this week. We talked about a shit ton of stuff. Um, Make sure to look next week. Thursday is the NBA draft. Friday is the NHL draft. It's going to be a busy week. Um, Just as the sport ends, it begins right up again with the draft. It's going to be exciting. Make sure to tune in. We'll see you guys next week.